Hello, you're on the SaturdayBlitz.com podcast. I'm Kyle Kensing. Thank you very much for tuning in. Joining me this week for the second go-round here on the podcast is Kyle Roth. Kyle's a contributor to the FCS roundtable we have here on the site uh, and covers North Dakota State football for a variety of outlets, including BisonIllustrated.com, as well as the Bison Sports Blog. And you can check Kyle out on Twitter at twitter.com slash kroth37, that's K-R-O-T-H, number 37. And uh, excited to have him on. FCS has a special place in my heart. And it's going to be great to just talk football because the last few months, it seems like all football conversations been centered around what's happening off the field as opposed to onto it. So jumping into some actual football talk is going to be great. Uh, obviously, Miami scandal breaking the latest and, of course, biggest of the offseason bombshells, which have included targets on Auburn, Oregon, LSU, uh, just to name a few, North Carolina. And diverting away from that, getting into football is really just, uh, we need that right now because it seems like the longer the offseason goes, the worse and worse these scandals get. Uh, Butch Davis, of course, forced out at North Carolina just a few weeks ago. Uh, right on the eve of the season and right before preseason workouts began for the Tar Heels. And, of course, Al Golden in a precarious situation in Miami. Uh, FCS largely devoid of these huge scandals. So I think that's probably a good uh, reason to touch on FCS today. So enjoy the podcast. Uh, we'll talk about some of that, maybe jump into a little FBS as well. And uh, who knows? We'll see where we go from there. Uh, Kyle's also a host of the Fargo Rock Station, so I might jump into some rock and roll talk with him as well. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Kyle Roth, our guest here on the SaturdayBlitz.com podcast. And welcome back, and we're here at the SaturdayBlitz.com podcast, season two, uh, with Kyle Roth, who covers North Dakota State football for a variety of outlets, BisonIllustrated.com, Bison Sports Blog, uh, Print, Web, Radio, basically wherever you want to find North Dakota State football, Kyle is there. And Kyle, thank you very much for appearing, actually for a second time, as uh, this is our second attempt at this, so thank you very much for, uh, for joining us here on the podcast. And, uh, of course, talking North Dakota State and the FCS uh, last season, they went on a pretty impressive run winning a pair of games in the FCS playoffs, and this year garnering some attention coming into the season, uh, most notably on the strength of running back DJ McNorton. want to jump into talking about DJ, first of all, one of the premier players in the FCS and a uh, Walter Payton Award watch list candidate. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about the kind of player that DJ is and what fans can expect to see from him this season? Last year, who had, uh, or uh, two years ago, excuse me, who 
And DJ's a guy who's going to show up on some NFL draft boards, I would imagine, uh, much the way Taiwan Jones from Eastern Washington did last season. And, of course, you mentioned earlier Pat Pashal, who uh, was drafted by or was picked up by the New England Patriots but didn't end up sticking. Is, is DJ the kind of guy that you imagine is going to get on an NFL roster and be around, maybe find a niche in the NFL uh, after he leaves NDSU? Oh, I think absolutely. I mean, uh, the big difference between me and Taiwan Jones is that Taiwan Jones has otherworldly type speed. I mean, you look at his uh, – he ended up running with a 4.35, 40 or something like that, which is just unbelievable. But uh, while DJ doesn't have that blade he has so many other things that make him a good player, and his catching game is the biggest thing about that. I mean, you look at the success a guy like Wes Welker to have in the NFL, and you think to yourself, I mean, that, that, that's what NFL's struggling for in running backs is, number one, are they fast, obviously, but number two, can they catch the ball? And I think in, a, in, a, in, a, in an NFL that's gearing more towards the passing game every year, you can't, you can't understand the significance of a running back who catches football. And DJ having that ability to catch the football, how do you think that's going to buoy the passing game, which last year had some problems starting off first with uh, Jose Moeller, quarterback from, from my neck of the woods, La Costa Canyon High School in California, and then transitioning to Brock Jensen as the season went along. Is, is Brock the guy, and are you going to see a more complete passing game this season, or is there going to be a really heavy reliance on that run game again? And mentioning that scrimmage yesterday, uh, you have a chance to go and check that out live. Uh, what really impressed you about the team, and what are some issues that you're expecting them to have to sort out by the time they face uh, Lafayette in Week 1? Well, the offense came along a lot better than I thought they would. Rock Jensen had a pair of touchdowns yesterday, uh, first day, 12-yard uh, pass to Zach Bra, just kind of like, you're, I'm going to throw it to you, go up and get it. And Bra was able to win the battle against the shorter quarterback that he got, that he went up against. But uh, that was the first one. The second one was, I believe, it was about a 16-yard run where, um, you know, just uh, look for Make it decided to cut off field and go between two tacklers for the uh, for the rush 
And then jumping into conference play this season, it uh, looks like the Missouri Valley is going to be pretty strong up top. Uh, the Bison are going to be competing with Northern Iowa, who's always in the in the running with uh, Mark Foley leading the way. Mark Farley, excuse me. And uh, Southern Illinois should have a bounce-back season this year, coming off uh, last year a little bit of a disappointment. Where is NDSU going to fit into that race, and where do you see the Missouri Valley panning out as a whole just from uh, top to bottom? And of course, uh, you and I this season with uh, Tyrell Rennie is one of the top players in FCS. And what kind of player do you feel like he is? And a game that's leading up to that about a month and a half beforehand, Minnesota, you see a quarterback that's very similar and uh, Marquise Gray. And how do you feel like having that uh, that sort of preview of the same style uh, quarterback is going to help in conference play? And to follow up on that, I want to get into Minnesota a little bit after that. But uh, first, let's talk about the Tyrell Rennie and that Marquise Gray and how those two are going to kind of uh, kind of that similar uh, style quarterback. And, and how do you stop a player like that? Well, actually, uh, the, the way to stop him goes back to a game last season we played against the University of South Dakota where we played a guy named Dante Ward. And uh, if you look at South Dakota's schedule for that year, uh, the week before coming to, uh, coming to Fargo, they actually beat Minnesota in uh, what, what I'll consider a shootout. It was like 48 to 45 or something. And uh, their, their quarterback, Dante Warren, was out of it. He was running all over him. He was passing everywhere. And he's a quarterback that's really similar to uh, that, uh, that almost an Art Robinson style quarterback where, I mean, they can just run their socks off. And the passing game is fair, but in the, obviously in the case of uh, Terrell Redding, it's, I mean, his passing game is what has a lot of Panther fans really scared about their chances this year. So we kind of found out the way to beat them last year was just to get really good pressure from the defensive end. Uh, 
Now, that Minnesota game is one that uh, I'm really looking forward to in the FCS roundtable. We talked about FCS beating the FBS uh, last year, 10 such wins. And, of course, North Dakota State was one of those, knocking off Kansas in week one. And then you mentioned South Dakota knocking off Minnesota. Uh, With those two factors coming together and uh, Minnesota undergoing a little bit of change, adding Jerry Kill, a coach who I really love, who got uh, Southern Illinois to the point that it is today where it's sort of a year-in, year-out contender, but still facing a lot of uncertainty there. How do you see that game unfolding? And what are some of the other FCS, FBS matchups that you're really looking forward to this year? Uh, SDSU last season uh, was a team coming in. I actually had uh, pegged at the top of the conference. Uh, they had yep. finished so strong the year before. And uh, I know previously we had talked about the uh, Montana meltdown when they had the uh, four-touchdown lead uh, in the first round of the FCS playoffs up there in Missoula. And they just never quite recovered from that game. But they did have that strong showing last year at Nebraska. So I, I do sort of – I like that pick uh, considering how they showed up last year uh, – coming into Lincoln in front of that uh, massive crowd that they always have there. So that's an interesting one. And then another one that uh, that a lot of people are talking about, Virginia Tech, of course, last year losing to James Madison. This year playing Appalachian State. And, of course, Virginia Tech, James Madison, probably the second most famous FCS, FBS upset ever. And then Appalachian State, of course, perpetrators of the number one all-time beating Michigan in 07. How do you see that one unfolding? Turn that around to a win. That's going to put them in the docket as a serious national, uh, national contender title. So, or national 
Now, Appalachian State's one of the top teams in FCS this year, but they draw a real tough FBS opponent. And another team I really like is Georgia Southern, who at the end of the season is playing one of those uh, the SEC, of course, likes to, in late November, load up on a couple of body bag games. And uh, I, I feel it's unfortunate that uh, Georgia Southern is going to be going into Alabama late in the season and potentially facing maybe some some injury problems. I feel like last year, Appalachian State, by going into Florida, that really sort of uh, derailed what they had going into the playoffs. Yeah. Now, a team like North Dakota State in drawing a Kansas and a Minnesota, they still get that big BCS conference paycheck. But what I'm, uh, what I'm curious about is how the Appalachian States and the Georgia Southerns end up playing these top five programs instead of maybe uh, like the CAA, you see, play the ACC a lot and get quite a few wins when they when they're drawing teams like Duke and maybe North Carolina this year is going to be a little bit down and facing James Madison. Um, how do you feel like that breaks down, and how, how does that help programs from the Missouri Valley and facing maybe those lower level Big Twelve and Big Ten programs as as opposed to playing some of those more top five late November SEC style games? Now, when you talk about the fun of playing those those bigger uh, teams, I've read on some of the uh, FCS message boards talk of uh, NDSU actually maybe even outdrawing Minnesota. I know the Bison uh, uh, usually sell out the Fargo Dome. What do you imagine the atmosphere is going to be like when you head to Minneapolis uh, for that matchup? Thank you. 
Minneapolis is, you know, right up my alley. So we have a ton of fans come out to that. Uh, we have played via folks flying from all over the country to come see it. And uh, I, I, while I don't know that NDSU is going to outdraw Minnesota again, I really think um, it, 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 it's, it's going to be pretty pretty close, I think. I mean, obviously, TCF is a smaller stadium, so it's going to be a little bit trickier. But uh, while Minnesota fans might have, the, might have the edge on us, I think NDSU fans are going to get real loud, and I think we're going to make it a... Uh, now the uh, the atmosphere for those games that are played uh, there in in Fargo, what's that like? Uh, I've never really been to a dome stadium. That's definitely one of my goals in life. I actually uh, I have a friend that's now working in Washington State, and we're planning a trip to the Kibbe Dome up in Idaho at some point. Uh, I really want to experience that dome atmosphere. And what's that like? And what's the tailgate scene? Uh, especially late in the season, uh, thinking of a game in Fargo where it's about negative five out. What's what's the atmosphere like for NDSU football? Well, for a negative five game, just come sometime in October, you'll be all set. But uh, we'll see here. Um, inside the dome, it's it, it was flat out what, what convinced me to come to NDSU. I was looking between NDSU and a number of different schools, and it was that dome atmosphere followed by a game over a uh, basketball game with BSA against Colorado State that really, really, really cemented me to come to, to come to NDSU. Uh, it's just Words really can't describe it. You talk about 19,000 fans who are excited to be there, who are on their feet, who are yelling and all over the place. And it's just, it, it, it's a madhouse, man. I mean, we're, uh, one of the ideas, uh, we pitched marching squad next year to have a, uh, have a counter for how many all starts before the closing offensive line. So, um, I mean, it, it gets loud, it gets exciting. The, you know, the fireworks show off when we score a touchdown. Uh, we have all the different chants we do for uh, first downs and touchdowns and uh, different, uh, different things that happen during the game. And, really can't find it anywhere in the LCFDS world, I don't think. I think just uh, it, it, with, with the scope of how many people there, with the fact that it's a dome, with the closed close sound, it's just, it, it's not really atmosphere there. The, the tailgate, the tailgate's got to be the top three of MCS all over the place. I mean, we get thousands of people out there with, with tailgating bridge, we get uh, people with flags everywhere, uh, you know, everyone's sharing food, sharing, uh, you know, drinks of choice, and it just really is uh, a really unique environment in in the tri-state area, I think. You know, we went, uh, we got down to, even going over to Montana State, we had, a, we had enough people show up there that, you know, I mean, their fans were impressed. They were saying, like, wow, you guys have a ton of tailgate and stuff. We have, we have Montana fans there that couldn't believe how, how, how much tailgate we were doing. So, it's, uh, it, it's a really big body position to, to really just tailgate and get ready for the game. Um, again, the don't have a is just unreal. You, you can't imagine until you actually go to a game. And uh, it, it just really is kind of our, our little piece Now, looking into the season, North Dakota State's obviously going to factor into uh, to the playoff run, Northern Iowa as well. You talk about Indiana State, Southern Illinois. Now, on a national scene, which four teams do you think are going to be playing in that next-to-last weekend trying to get the spot to Frisco, and who do you think is going to take it all? Have Northern Iowa as a team that can make it in there again. I'm, you know, I uh, the Bison 
Now, Eastern Washington is the defending champion, bringing back uh, Bo Levi Mitchell and Brandon Kaufman. That's going to be a strong team. And uh, Montana State with Denarius McGee. Uh, I noticed the top four, uh, not including any from the Big Sky. And the Big Sky, of course, courting uh, North Dakota State, who opted to stay in the Missouri Valley. Now, the Missouri Valley, in terms of the FCS conference rankings, I feel like doesn't quite get the same respect as, obviously, the CAA, the SOCON, and even the Big Sky. Uh, where do you feel like the Missouri fits in, and how do you think the Missouri Valley stacks up against the Big Sky? Do you think that that's something that's sort of going to become a burgeoning rivalry now that you're adding teams like North Dakota uh, into that conference that are just going to be right there in uh, the Missouri Valley's backyard? And then gun to your head. Give me one Peyton Award winner and one Buck Buchanan Award winner for this season. And then uh, to finish off, we talked about this last time, but uh, you uh, fill in a weekend shift at the Rock Station in Fargo. And yeah, and you mentioned uh, being a fan of, uh, of the Death Clock album from, of course, the great Adult Swim Metalocalypse. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And uh, I just wanted to follow up on that a little bit. First of all, a couple of albums that you'd want to dedicate to the season. And uh, just a. Your in general thoughts, a couple of uh, rock albums to check out, just uh, that might fit this college football season. Well, uh, I don't know if you've 
And that's uh, John Benjamin's behind that, right? Ah, okay, okay. Now, uh, all right, all right. I, I knew that there was the connection there. Uh, John Benjamin's got the uh, Archer, obviously. Okay. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, excellent. Well, uh, that about covers what we have for the uh, for this podcast. Uh, Want to thank you once again, uh, Kyle and. Uh, why don't you give a plug everywhere that we can find your work? Uh, well, I guess I, got, I, got, I, got, I should have made a list from last time, but uh, <laughs> uh, number one is uh, I write for a local uh, uh, magazine that covers finds and athletics called Finds and Illustrated. It's available over 300 locations in uh, North Dakota, South Dakota, uh, North Dakota, a few in South Dakota, and a ton in Minnesota. So uh, you can uh, pick up, uh, you can look at some of our articles online at findsillustrated.com. Find stuff, including a uh, column I just recently started there. Uh, I also write for the Sports And of course, Twitter. And of course, Twitter. You can find me at krop37. And uh, I think that's about it. That's a good list, though. So uh, check out some FCS discussion. I highly recommend uh, checking out a lot of stuff. The story with EJ McNorton last week was really the best college football features I've uh, read this offseason, FCS or FBS. Um, so really love that site. Highly recommend it. Highly recommend all of Kyle's work, of course, with the FCS Roundtable here on SaturdayBlitz.com. And Kyle, thank you once again. And uh, hopefully the third time that you record the podcast, it will be for the second edition and not a redux of the first. Yeah, well, well keep your fingers crossed over here. Yeah, yeah so uh, hopefully we got that worked out. So I want to thank you once again. And thank you for listening to the SaturdayBlitz.com podcast. I am Kyle Kensing. Until next time.